Welcome to the I Dare You podcast. This podcast is all about you and helping you reach the big goals that you have for your life. And what next steps do you want to take to get there? I'm your host, Darren Johnson, and welcome to episode 81. I'm glad you're here. If you're checking the show out for the first time or you're relatively new to the show, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Make sure you follow us and subscribe to the podcast so you do not miss an episode. For those who have been here for the long haul, welcome back. Thank you. I appreciate you listening and also sharing with others. Also, make sure you're following us on Instagram because there we got a really cool community and I love seeing everyone there and you'll get exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. Content is high value. It's also meant to equip and inspire you to reach your goals and live your best life. I think you'll find a lot of value there. So I hope to see you there at I Dare You Pod. I can't wait for you to meet our guest in episode 81. Uh, we've been trying to sync up our calendars. We finally were able to do so. She is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak. Now, many of you know Michelle, have heard her name, and for good reason, because she is a best-selling author and a top 1% podcast host of Moms Moving On. In fact, her brand new book is Moms Moving On, giving real-life advice on conquering divorce, co-parenting through conflict, and becoming your best self. Now, she graduated from Hofstra University with a degree in journalism and communication, double master's degree in education, and she writes regularly for Parents Magazine, Scary Mommy, and others. She's a former New Yorker and now lives in Miami with her husband, daughter, and stepdaughter. You know, this is one of those topics that touches everyone. Whether you're going through it personally right now or have in the past, maybe your parents were divorced. Maybe you are the parent of a child who's going through a tough spot right now. So what can you expect to learn from this episode? We're going to talk a lot about divorce and relationships and co-parenting and current realities and strategies for moving forward that you can put into your life right now or you can share with others who are important to you. So with that as a setup, let's not wait any longer. I can't wait for you to hear the interview and to meet Michelle. She's ready. Let's go. Here, everyone, is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. It's really good having you here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right, Michelle, I've been waiting for this interview. Tell us your background. How did your journey take you here to this place? What's, what's that story? Um, I think for me, so I was a child of divorce and I knew deep down that that was deeply going to shape the rest of my life because my parents' divorce was not your average divorce. It lasted the entirety of my childhood. They separated when I was eight and their divorce was finalized when I was graduating high school. So it was, it, it really just made me who I was. And then lo and behold, I found myself getting divorced, but I wasn't in my mind what my mom was when she separated, which was, you know, in her forties and, you know, with friends who are also going through it, she was like, the real life version of the first wives club, which was a movie that we watched frequently when I was younger. Um, but I was not that I was 33. I had a two-year-old. I, I felt like everybody around me was just starting their lives and their marriages. And now mine was over and it was very isolating. So that's where, you know, this whole mom's moving on thing came to be, um, started posting a lot about my divorce. I was writing about it for different publications in terms of, being a single mom and how to co-parent all of those things. And then um, with that came the podcast and the book deal and the coaching practice. And um, now we're actually training and certifying divorce coaches to focus more on healthy co-parenting, which makes me really happy. So it, it kind of grew a life of its own, but I'm really proud of all of it. Well, you should be. What a journey. So you, 
you never started out thinking that you want to be a divorce coach or a a co-parenting specialist. That was never part of your long range plan. No, it wasn't. But I realized the need for it, Um, you know, first in the sense of the emotional support for divorcing women, particularly moms with young children, you know, society still views divorcees as, you know, being empty nesters, a woman alone with her cats. And, you know, it's really unfortunate because yes, that is true for some people and that's hard in its own way, but it is a lot harder to co-parent with somebody you no longer like or trust or love and have to hand over little kids, sometimes babies. Um, and there was a big need for support in that arena. And then with that came, uh, just my shock and disbelief at how contentious, um, some divorce professionals will make the process. And, you know, research shows that the more contentious, the divorce process, the worse the effects on the children. And I'm living proof of that. And so I, that's where I really shifted my focus towards co-parenting because not easy, but it really only takes one person to make a positive impact in the kids in the face of adversity. So Hmm. that's, that's really important to me. Yeah, no, there's a lot, a lot of follow-ups on that. I heard you say it was on another podcast interview, getting divorced is in part a business relationship, a business transaction. You really do have to be almost an advocate for how you want this to go. You're the professional here, but tell me, tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, I think the, the best way to handle divorce is by putting your emotions aside and treating it like any other transaction, like with a client or a colleague, but that's the hardest part is that there are so many emotions tied into it. And you're forced to make all these big major life decisions while you're seething with anger, jealousy, or whatever the emotions are, all of the above. And so, I mean, what I've found to be, I'm an emotional person. I'm, you know, I'm fiery, I'm Italian, I'm Latin, I'm, you know, fiery at my core, but that never did any good for me when I would lead with emotion. And so having to be logical and and approach my divorce proceedings and my relationship with my co-parent like business um, and keep emotions out of it has made all the difference. And that's really like what my coaching practice and what my coaches strive for with their clients um, is really just separating the emotional and, and tackling things as they come in a business way. I've never been through a divorce. I cannot imagine. I I just cannot imagine the emotions that go into that. We never make great decisions in in anything when the emotions are running high. When going through a divorce, what tips or hints do you have for the listeners about how to manage those emotions? Maybe manage is a bad word, but how do you work through those emotions and try to make the best decisions that you can? Yeah. I mean, particularly for co-parents, if you are you know, splitting up from somebody and you now have to make decisions for the kids. You have to remember that the children didn't ask to be put in this position. If you're trying to get back at the other person by withholding the kids from them or giving them less custody, you're only hurting your children in the long term, which in turn will backfire on you. Mm. Um, and you know, I what I like to tell people is people like we're all human and we're flawed, and adults make stupid decisions when it comes to relationships, if there's infidelity or there is just, you know, um, a lack of respect, whatever it is, that doesn't necessarily mean that this person can't be a good parent. And you see that happening all the time. Well, he cheated on me and he lied. So why should I trust him with my kids? 
Well, because that cheating came from somewhere else that has nothing to do with an ability to take care of the children. So, I mean, my tips would really be to compartmentalize, like, is your anger for this person justified because they hurt you? Sure. But does that have to bleed into the rest of your lives? Are you going to live in the past? Are you going to try and move forward so everybody can move on? And so that's, Mm -hmm. that's the biggest tip I give. And the other one is get good support. Like a lot of people will come to me before they find attorneys and husbands and wives will come together and they'll say like, we just want to make the best decisions. You know, we, we want to be amicable. We want to have a collaborative divorce and I, I always get really excited. And then I know when one of those people goes and has a conversation with an attorney, it all goes out the window. Make sure (laughs) you don't choose an attorney who is encouraging you to fight more than you're comfortable for. If you don't have, you know, if you're, if you're soon to be ex doesn't have billions of dollars hidden in some foreign country and you just, you know, you just want (laughs) to split up and like, timeshare your kids. There is no need for litigation. Do not work with somebody who's telling you, you know, we could take him for all he has, or, you know, don't give that person custody. They did you wrong. And my other tip is beware of the divorce professionals who try to label or diagnose your ex without ever meeting them. Um, Once, once a client hears the word narcissist, they, decide that their lawyer has the ability to diagnose their client, their ex, and and things get very messy from there. So, you know what, your Instagram page is um, phenomenal uh, at, at Michelle, at the Michelle Dempsey and at moms moving on, you know, on your personal Instagram page, I think I have this right. Your in your bio, you have inspiring moms to conquer divorce and take the co-parenting high road. Yeah, I just heard it in this answer, but you're encouraging everyone to, when given that choice, and we all have that choice, take the high road if you can. Tell us more about why that's such a, what's really a, a North Star for you and 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 for moms moving on. Yeah, sure. I'll share an example from my book. You know, I wrote about how if you're at the beach and a storm starts rolling in, right? Like what is your, your natural reaction is going to be to get your kids, get your stuff and run for shelter, right? You're not going to stand on the beach and yell at the storm clouds and like hope something's going to change. They're going to back away. The rain won't come. And so that's, that's how I, um, that's my, my metaphor for taking the high road, right? Like your job, when the storm comes, when you're high conflict ex-spouse or your, or your ex who can't seem to stop fighting comes at you with more crap that you don't want to deal with your job is to just seek shelter, like move to higher ground, take Mm. care of your kids, don't respond, don't fall into the trap because nothing you can say or do in that moment is gonna change how your ex is showing up. But your children deserve one reasonable person in an unreasonable situation. And a lot of people on social media will say, well, you know, well, my ex is a narcissist and I can't do that. Well, all the more reason to do that because if your ex really is, you know, insert popular personality disorder, um, (laughs) you know, then your kids need you to be more stable than ever. So I think, you know, taking the high road is, is reminding yourself that you love your children more than you hate your ex. And your goal is to protect them despite, you know, whatever animosity you have for this person, like you, you just kind of have to swallow it and move on. Yeah. One of the things I've heard you also say is, and we think about co-parenting and kids certainly keep the children in the center of your decision-making, but, but never put them in the middle. Right. And take that one step further for me. 
Sure. So when I, when I actually, I use this example, when I train my um, divorce coaches through my certification program, um, if you can picture like a Venn diagram, yeah. you know, where the two circles intertwine and the child is in the middle, that is not what you want. And I've reframed that to the infinity symbol where it's kind of fluid and there is no middle and the child just kind of like floats, you know, on the outside of this infinity symbol, because there is no like central place for the child to be. I think that is, that's the ideal, you know, mindset for co-parents is that we're not like sharing a library book that has to be returned, you know, every two to three days and then taken back out again. It's, you know, our, this is our child. Our child is in one home today, but the love for the other parent is still supported and encouraged. And it's just a matter of two homes where a child goes back and forth. It doesn't have to be, you know, the child is directly in the middle and has to please either parent and be equal parts of the, of each parent in order to pacify any parents. I think that's where parentification starts and that's a dangerous place. Wow. Well, look at what you have built in our building. Uh, Very impressive as far as your organization, how you're helping people. I want to go back to where did it all start? You mentioned it, but you started a podcast at Moms Moving On. Great podcast, a great community there. What was the trigger for that? How did you get into it? Why did you do it? Well, before I got separated, I was already, um, I was a mommy blogger Mm. and I was writing for different parenting outlets about motherhood and, and marriage. And, you know, I got separated and I remember reaching out to scary mommy, which was one of the outlets I was writing for and was like, Hey, you know, I'm going through this. I, there's not a lot of content out there about single parenting or co-parenting. Can I write about it? And they were like, great. And so the more I put articles out like that, the bigger my following grew. And then questions would come in. I would get thousands of DMs like, Hey, I want to ask my husband to leave. What are the next steps I should take? Or, you know, I'm worried I married the wrong person. How do you know? How do you know if it's time to leave? So we'd get all these questions and I tried to answer to the best of my ability, but then I would get a lot of legal questions. Um, and I realized nobody else was having these conversations online. So I, didn't want to answer questions incorrectly. That's where I started the podcast and brought the experts on to answer the questions I didn't know how to answer. And then people would reach out and ask if they could work with me directly. So that's when I got certified as a divorce specialist and a co-parenting specialist. My background's in education, so it all kind of ties together. Um, And then people would ask where they could buy my book and I didn't have one. So I wrote (laughs) one. I was very fortunate that Simon & Schuster took a chance on me. And everything has sort of grown since then. Wow, that's something. So one year ago, you launched the book. It's in hard uh, hardcover. Now it's out in paperback. Do I have that yes. right, Michelle? Yes, we did a second printing exactly a year after um, the original release. So I'm really excited about that. Well, okay. So it's been called many things. One phrase that caught my eye was it's called the Bible. Hold on if I have this right. Yeah, the Bible for Divorcing Moms. I, I was looking at the reviews, and one review in particular jumped out at me, uh, said this, if I can read, my glasses are not on. I sent her a DM. I told her I was just starting my co-parenting journey, wanted to know how does one cope with starting overnights with their infant of one year old. Michelle read it and even, post, and even posted it on her Instagram to have other mamas give me advice. I'm forever grateful to Michelle and the community she has built. I no longer find myself alone during these hard times. Thank you so much. When you look back at this uh, one year ago and with your pod, how has the book made a difference? And in what way? What do you think? 
You know, I, I'm, I'm very hard on myself and I didn't really believe in the work that the book was doing for people until, um, about, I don't know, two or three months after the book came out. So I wasn't a New York times bestseller. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, I might as well have just like, you know, <laughs> crawled into a hole and died, but two or three, I, I was an Amazon bestseller for a few weeks and in a couple different categories. So I, I still wear that title proudly, but a couple, Good. a couple of months after the book came out, I did my first in-person book signing and the women that were lined up to meet me, like as it was their turn would just start sobbing. Mm. And, and this continued at every book signing that I did. And I, and my, and my husband is always there with me. I'm remarried. And he's like, God, like, this is incredible. Like who knew? And I'm like, I know, like I sat at home writing this book during COVID while my then kindergartner was trying to do like virtual school online. And had I known the impact the book was going to make. So, I mean, it's been really great feedback. I've gotten a really, um, I've gotten a couple really angry ex-husbands in my inbox and leaving reviews, which I think only helps, you know, mm. some, I don't know if I can curse on this podcast, but <laughs> oh, go, um, ahead. I, go ahead. Uh, some, some nice fellow wrote to me. Um, if I would, if I ever met you, I would burn your piece of book. My wife is acting on your piece of book. You. And that's become like my tagline. Like that is the success of mom's moving on. Thank you, sir. It's one thing to have a troll leaving you a comment, but right. As you look at that, what does that mean to you and to the other women going through divorce? How do you look at that? That's a little tough to take. Or do you say, oh no, that's not tough to take at all. Actually it's not. Um, and so many people have written to me and said that that comment has helped them decide whether this was the book for them or not. So I'm like, whoever this guy is, yeah. I, I just want to let him know he doesn't have to meet me to burn the book. Like he could do that on his own, but, um, no, I mean, look, it's when a woman is choosing to leave someone, it's a, a man in particular, yeah. there's a lot of ego at play. Men don't like that. And when they realize that there is somebody who empowers them to feel okay after divorce, you know, I can imagine that's an icky feeling. And for so many years, I think the, the idea about me was that I was promoting divorce. I'm not. Like I'm remarried and I'm so happy and I want to be with this person for the rest of my life. But I do also believe that if you have to get divorced, it's fine. You're not going to die. It's an opportunity to start over. And why should you sit around and cry just to please the other person's ego or make it societally yeah. acceptable to get divorced? The latest divorce trends are what, Michelle? What percent of marriages end up in divorce? Um, I mean, it's, it's always hovering around 50%. I read recently that the number had gone down a little bit, but that's only because less people are actually getting married. Right. People are choosing to cohabitate, but not formally get married because they want to avoid, you know, the yuckiness of divorce should they ever split up. Okay. So In I've COVID, the number was up to about 60%. Oh my. I, and because of the, that, what I'm just jumping to conclusions, but because now we're, we're close to each other, we're starting just to really wear on each other. Everything's amplified. You can't yeah. go out for a drink when your spouse is making you nuts. There's no more girls nights. There's no more boys trips. There's no more, you know, mistress at the office, whatever it is. Like there is none of that. And now you're forced to sit with your problems for real. It's true. And yeah. sadly, um, the incidents of domestic violence were up tremendously yeah. in COVID. Um, and I, I am still working with clients who got separated in COVID 
who had to remain in the same home with their spouses for one reason or another. And it was just ugly and brutal. And people were forced to really just like throw their hands up and walk away from whether it was a financial settlement they were hoping for, or a time-sharing split they were holding out for mm-hmm. um, just to get out of the same home. It, COVID was a really messy time for divorces. Yeah. I can only imagine the kind of conversations that you have. Now, let me ask you a question about some of the research I've done. There's a newly released study of nearly uh, nearly two decades by Kingston University in London. It found that women are significantly more content than usual for up to five years after divorce. Research goes on to say that most divorces are initiated by women because Mm -hmm. of child custody, spousal abuse may play a role if they're economically independent, if they have a a support system that is there for them. The way that I have looked at marriage is, and I, I come just from my own little world here, Michelle, is okay, marriage, work at it, work at it, work at it, keep working at it. And yet there's also research that shows there can be not happiness, maybe that's the word, but there's something on the other side there. So I'm all over the board, but that research, do you see that in your practice? And how do you help people make the decision that leads to contentment, if that's the word? I kind of just sit back and let things happen, to be honest, Darren. I And I posted about this recently. And I've worked with hundreds of women from major celebrities to your average mom from England to Dubai, Australia. I've worked with every type of woman. And every single woman at a certain point will send me an email or a text that says, I can't believe it. Like I just woke up today and suddenly I feel so light, so free, so ready for what's next. And there's a reason for this and no disrespect to the men. I think there's a reason why they don't seek the support after divorce that women do. There's so much more for women, right? Like Mm. there's coaches and there's community groups and there's church groups and, and, and singles groups and whatever it is, there is so many opportunities for women to evolve and grow after divorce and they seek the help and they go to therapy. Whereas for men in many communities, it's, you know, men are raised to not cry and to not ask for help. And it's really unfortunate. I'm seeing a shift though. I get so many men in my DMS now that are like, Hey, um, I know I'm a dad, but I love your content. Thank you. It's really helpful. And that, that makes me feel so happy because I'm hoping there's more of a shift towards men feeling comfortable in therapy or asking for help with this type of things. I do have male clients now, but women do a really great job at choosing to evolve at choosing to grow, you know, as, as a mom, for me, it was really important that I didn't make the same mistakes in my second marriage that I made in my first marriage. And that required a lot of therapy for me. And mm-hmm. I recognize that. And it was really because I wanted my daughter to see me in a healthy light. So I don't know, something about women, pretty great. I know the Instagram post you're talking about, you mentioned that one powerful similarity that unites all the uh, cases, all the, all the women that you were talking to, is they all make it to the breakthrough day. Mm-hmm. And you emphasize again, it does. It always does. What goes into that day? How does it happen and why does it happen? I think it happens when you allow yourself to fully grieve. You know, you can't come, you can't, you know, throw your ex out one day and the next day expect to be normal. That's how I did it. And it backfired tremendously. I'm like, okay, what's next? Like had to take my daughter to a birthday party. I walked in like nothing was wrong. Not 24 hours after my ex and I officially split up. 
And then it all, it all hit me later on. I think, um, well, it's two things. So women who initiate divorce do a lot of grieving in the marriage. So I read something last year where a woman spends on average four years suffering in silence, miserable before she has that aha moment and realizes she have to go, has to go. So a lot of that work is already done for Mm -hmm. the woman who chooses to leave for the woman who is left the self-work and the grieving that goes into it, if you grieve in the right way and and you take the time and you let yourself go through the stages, you start to look back at not just the good times, right? Like a good coach is going to ask you to not romanticize what was and focus on the things in the marriage that you may be smoothed over to tell yourself things are better than they really are. And then you start to have like this realistic view on what your marriage actually was. And, and it takes time for a lot of women who have gone through the grieving process, but they get there. It just happens. It's one of those things like, you know, when a woman is on the fence about leaving her marriage, one day she wakes up and she just knows now's the time. Hmm. When you fall in love with somebody, you just know, like you wake up one day with this strong sense of knowing like, you know what, I'm going to be fine and and all is well. Good. You know, you brought up men earlier, and I'm looking at a a research study, 2022 Pew Research Study found that 30% of U.S. adults are neither married, living with partner, nor engaged in a committed relationship. Men in their 20s, Michelle, are more likely than women in their 20s to be romantically uninvolved, sexually dormant, friendless, and lonely. But but I I am interested in what's going on with young men and men in today's society. I read something like that too. The rise of loneliness in men. Um, Yeah. I think it has everything to do with women and women are really in a place now where they're secure in talking about their mental health and their flaws and they're, they're looking to grow. And I think men have gotten really left behind because again, it's how, it's how the last generation or our parents' generation raised us, right? And, you know, I still hear it sometimes like, oh, boys don't cry or, you know, toughen up, you know, be a big man. And and then you're left with all of these men who were never taught to process their emotions or how to feel. And and so I can imagine it's, it's scary to now be a, a grown man and you're surrounded by all these empowered women strong in their feelings. And, (laughs) you know, we want men who go to therapy. Like that's, that's the truth. I was never going to get remarried unless my second husband like was into therapy, but um, yeah. And I think that's part of it. And I think just societal pressure, you know, like for the same reason that women, social media has made women feel they have to look a certain way or dress a certain way or weigh a certain weight. Um, I think it's had its effect on men too. And that you have to be big, tall, rich, and drive a Bentley in order to be worth anything. So, I mean, I think a a lot of it has to do with how men are raised and, and society today is just so icky, but, um, there are so many good men out there. They really are. I believe that. I I know, I know several of them in my family, for example, I've got, um, well, I've got a, (laughs) I've got a son who's late twenties. I've got some nephews, late twenties, good guys, and they're not in any rush at all. And um, anyway, so that's a whole nother, another topic, but it, it just has me looking, saying, what's going on? In fact, 50% of single men say they're looking for a committed romantic relationship. That's down from 61% in 2019. So I'm looking at it from a guy's standpoint, and I'm not a single man. I'm married for a number of years and in my mid-50s. But I wonder if guys are, what are they? Are they, are they like you said, um, they're, they're facing a whole different group of women now, different generation, but are they intimidated? 
do they just say, I, I don't want to take the risk? Um, so this is my last question on this topic because I'm hungry for an answer because I just don't get it. I also think, sorry, but like sex is so readily available. Like you just have to swipe right and like sex is at your doorstep. So there's that too. There are dating sites where people are just ah. looking to hook up, no strings attached. Right. You know, I think, you know, for a lot of men, that's enough. And, you know, they don't really yeah. want to put the the effort into a relationship. So there you go. All right. So, okay, Michelle, so your book, Mom's Moving On, it's now in paperback. What would you hope that people would understand or or think or do differently as a result of reading this book? Um, I would hope that it helps them regroup and put their children at the center, not in the middle, and remind themselves that, you know, their children are only children for such a short period of time. You don't want to have to spend the rest, the entirety of their adult lives repairing a relationship that you damaged because of the divorce. You found a niche, clearly, that is resonating with thousands, millions of people, and you're helping so many people. It was a message that just wasn't getting out there. So I'm, I'm a dad, and I've got three grown kids. Uh, I've got siblings and friends, and actually a group of my friends, guy friends, we actually were talking about our kids. One gentleman was talking about how his daughter's in a, in a bad, bad relationship, mm -hmm. and he doesn't know how to support her. He doesn't know how oh he doesn't know how 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 much to be involved versus not because you raise your daughter and there's dads and daughter relationship, but he doesn't know what to do. Does he get involved to give advice to say, "Honey, go," or just to be, "Hey, I'm here for you. I'll always love you." I'll... Do you have any insights on that in your experience? What should dads or parents do when they see their kids in a tough spot? So, um, first, this reminds me of one of my book signings, um, I was at an independent bookstore and there was a much older man standing in the back. And I'm like, why is this guy here? And <laughs> at one point he raised his hand and asked that exact question. He happened to be the bookstore owner and oh. it was so cute. He was like, I heard you were coming and I'm so worried for my daughter because she's in a terrible relationship. And the advice I gave to him is, is what my mom said to me, like, I'm never going to tell you whether to stay or whether to go. But she told me like, if you need to go, we're here. We've got you. We're going to support you and whatever you need, you know, to, to help you feel supported and comfortable and get set up in a new life. Like we're going to help you do that. We're not going to judge you. And that was really helpful for me because I think a lot of people stay stuck because they don't want to disappoint or, mm -hmm. you know, they'd be the first in their families to get divorced. And how could they do that? Or, you know, what are they, what are the parents going to tell their friends? You know? And I, so I think hearing that, like, you're free to make your choices. We're here to support you is really helpful versus, you know, oh, why don't you give it another year or yeah, try this? You know, it's it's some when someone wants to go, they know they need to go. It's just a matter of figuring out how to do it. And hearing mm -hmm. that they're gonna have someone to hold their hand through is really helpful. And and that was the the right message for you at that time. Absolutely. I mean, my yeah. mom, you know, my mom went through it and I watched her do it with much less then I was going to have, my mom was an immigrant. She didn't have her family in, in the United States when she discovered my dad um, having affairs and she still chose to leave. She had nothing and she still, you know, decided she deserved better and she made it work with much less. And so I knew mm -hmm. I could do it too. And she reminded me of that. And she was like, look, like if you're not happy, you're not happy. Forget what we spent on the wedding forget everything. Like you need to be okay for yourself and for Bella, who is my daughter. And yeah. we've got this. What a mom. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, Michelle, you're helping so many people and you've given us a lot to think about here. What is the best way to stay in touch with you and everything that you're doing? My website is michelledempsey.com. Um, on there, you can find the book, all my courses, how to work with me one-on-one, how to work with my coaches or how to become a moving on method certified coach. And my Instagram is at the Michelle Dempsey podcast is also moms moving on. So pretty easy to find. It's good. Michelle, at the end of each podcast, I ask my guests, what is their I dare you challenge for all of us? Some simple steps we might take to get out of our comfort zone or to take a step forward. What do you think? What you would dare us to do what? I mean, I would dare you to live authentically for one week. Say no when you mean it, say yes when you want to, and do the things for yourself that you often don't do because of whatever reason. Do it for one week and tell me you don't feel so much better at the end of that week. That is a great challenge, Michelle. How would we live authentically? What would be one thing we could, we could try? I think you're all over it. I, I mean, for me, I, I felt like I truly stepped into my most authentic self when I started saying no, when my gut told me to say no, I'm a bit of, I was a bit of a people pleaser <laughs> and divorce has taught me that like, I can say no and mean it and, and everything will be okay. And it makes such a difference. If you think about how much you bleed yourself dry for other people, whether it's, you know, for work or your family or your friends who constantly rely on you and you put yourself at the center of your world for a little bit makes a huge difference in, in your mental state. Well, Michelle, you've given me such so many insights and I know our listeners as well, giving them a, a whole different perspective on relationships and divorce and co-parenting. So thank you for that. And I want to thank you for being part of the I Dare You podcast. Really great having you here. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Michelle Dempsey-Moltak. I hope you enjoyed getting to know Michelle and her story and how she's helping others in very real, tangible ways. Love talking to people like that, that have that, that courageous and that purpose-driven, and you can just hear it. And I hope you're able to get some insights that will help you or maybe someone in your family that's important to you that's going through a tough spot right now. What did you get from the episode that you want to implement in your life starting today? Everyone heard something different. For me, I loved her I Dare You Challenge for all of us about for these seven days, doing something that will allow you to step into your authentic self. And for Michelle, saying no more often, practicing that. I love that. I think I'm going to step into that as well. And what would that be for you? Seven days, whenever you're listening to this podcast, look at your calendar seven days out, write it down. What is the one thing that you're going to try and practice and see what happens in your life? So now as you listen to the podcast, who are you going to share this episode with? I know you're thinking of somebody. Maybe it's more than one person, I'll bet. Don't wait. Share this episode with them. If you wait until tomorrow or next week, you're going to forget. There's some insights here that could be that lifeline that someone needs to hear today. So take that step. Share it with them. I also invite you to light up social media with your biggest takeaway. Tag at I Dare You Pod and at the Michelle Dempsey with your biggest takeaway or anything else that speaks to you. Well, thanks for being here, everyone. Episode 81 with Michelle. And now get ready for episode 82. We're going to spend some time talking about ways to reach your goals faster than ever. And I can't wait for that episode next week on I Dare You Podcast. I'll see you then.